I analyzed every single one of the 15,000 suburbs in Australia over many years. And what I found will shock you. It will actually tell you how to find suburbs that outperform and the two keys to ensure you can grow your portfolio further. Now, with these two keys, the most important thing that you'll learn today is that there is no way capital growth exists without the first key in place. And secondly, to find markets even earlier than most typically would, what are the signs to look for and what do you give up on that journey? My name is Arjun Paliwal, as you know, I'm the head of research at Investigate Buyers Agency, and we've been going through a lot of data over many years and a lot of spending on data over many years. In fact, I've spent close to a million dollars in data now in analysis alone over the last few years and more on that when you consider the team, the research engine room and everything else that we do to actually make use of that data. Now, in this particular podcast episode, I wanted to deep dive into these two core keys to help you unlock greater portfolio growth and greater performance when market analyzing and the impact of what they do when you analyze suburbs across the nation. So if you're loving content like today and you feel like, hey, I'm loving the data-driven approach to property investing and I want more of this, jump onto our Investigate YouTube page. And if you're here already, smash the like button, hit the subscribe. I'd love to share more of this straight to your inbox so you can have the best in property research and data from Australia's Buyers Agency of the Year for 2023. So let's get, get into key one. And with key one, it's actually critical in understanding these trends. The first thing with property investing data is that when you're looking at data analysis, it's important to turn things into statements. And if you don't do that, it makes data a lot of technicality, a lot of, I guess, jargon and things that you don't know what they actually mean or isolated points that make you even sound smart. But that's not what you're here to be. You don't want to sound smart, look cool, be cool. You want to just get results. And so what I've come to learn is that over time, with regards to property data, if you can translate it into a paragraph in multiple sentences, you can make data a language. It's kind of like the old coding and how coders do a great job at bringing it back to English, then back to code again. Those are the ones who know how to implement their idea, how to share it to the world, because they can speak the languages of what people want, but also what the machine wants to hear to build your solution. And so when it comes to data analysis, the same, th same thing is true here. Number one, is I'll give you an example, days on market. Days on market is a trend that shows how fast something sells. So if you're all of a sudden saying days on market is trending down by 20% against last year and on three and five year averages is greater as well, it's the lowest days on market's ever been, that's all great data talk and I can talk like that all day long. In fact, I could talk like that underwater and it makes sense because that's just what I do for a living. But the key here is talking about it in simple language will help you put these things even better together. So days on market is represented as it's selling speed. So what you want to look for is something that is selling faster. Because anyone who tells me that price growth exists in an environment where people take longer to sell and take a long time to sell and longer to sell than this time last year, three years ago and five years ago, has got their head screwed on backwards, or not screwed on at all. The main thing here is that this is the key metric to show you 
One was a very percentage-based, algorithmic-sounding way. And if that's a word, I own that now. But if it's not a word, let's make it a word. And secondly, the way I showed you was to make sense of it in real-life terms. And that is when you know data truly makes sense. It's all about use and practicality of data, not just in isolation. But that is one trend, though. There are many other trends attached to this. Let's take another one. Listing trends are down 33%, 10% uh, in the last year, 33% against three and five year averages, and listings remain at a low level. Again, that's like someone coming off the stock broking news, ComSec market updates, CoreLogic ready to suit and tie, multiple pieces of paper, really talk to you in a sophisticated way, Mr. and Mrs. Hedge Fund Manager. That is not the majority of Australian property. That is not Australian property bias. That is not mum and dad investors. What do you want to know is what that means. And simply put, what that means is there's not a lot of property for sale. There's less property for sale than this time last year. Less property for sale than three years ago and less property for sale than five years ago. And the number of properties for sale is becoming lower. So now you get the point of data explanation, data understanding. This is just the start. It's now about putting the pieces together and realizing that if you can turn these sentences into a story, you start to understand when housing markets are moving in the right direction. And the more of your story that is there, the greater confidence in your story because you're elaborating it easier and more understandably and across multiple points. But if I just displayed one of those points, maybe two out of 10 or three out of 10, what you're really doing is having a story with less confidence. Less confidence actually gets us to point number two, but let me come back to that key number two in terms of how to use that data to come to markets earlier before they start really popping off. And there's some pros and cons of that, so stick around to the end of this episode to learn about getting to markets earlier. So in this particular episode, I'm actually gonna give you real life case studies of markets, not just markets where they're going now, they're growing well now, I'm going to show you markets and how my team and I were able to predict that they were going to pop off before they popped off, what trends we saw, and actually take you back to those years to visualize those trends so you can see what was happening, not just on one indicator, but multiple indicators, and actually see it in front of your eyes to say that, wow, this is true. No growth, no massive change occurs unless all these things start to come together. So what have I shown you so far? I've shown you a couple of things around data explanation to sound smart versus data practicality. I've talked about the importance of data and using it not just in one isolated metric, but using it across multiple metrics. So you can start to have a clearer story and a paragraph, not just a sentence. And now we'll start talking through it. So let's start talking through it very macro. There is more people moving into a location. There is more sales occurring in the area. There is less listings or less properties available for sale in comparison to properties selling. There are hardly any rental properties and the amount of rental properties for available continues to get less and less. People don't have to give away as many discounts on their properties when they're selling it due to the result of the demand. Things are selling way quicker and people are testing them at higher prices and they're selling for more. Also, there's a lot more jobs available and it's becoming easier to find a job with unemployment also reducing. And from this perspective, we're also seeing a lot of spending occur in the economy to make the city 
a better place to live, work, eat, play, whatever you want to call it. People are also willing to pay more rent in this area and are increasing their rent at each rental open home and happily paying it. Maybe not the happily part, but they're having no choice but to pay it. The key here is I've shared with you a paragraph on a location. And when these indicators come together, price growth is imminent. It happens. And when more of them come together at stronger levels, trending and static, and the two definition meanings there that I want to share with you is trending is the, the way it's heading. Static is what point it's at now. So what's the actual outcome? So is it a 1% vacancy rate or is it 2%? That's the static point. And is it 5% coming down to 2 or 3 coming down to 1? That's the trending. But once you understand that, you notice that it's clear that you could not argue with me that this market is rising in values or due to. And I didn't even use one metric or one data point to share that. I was able to explain that without complex data, without making your life harder than already it needs to be. I live and breathe in this environment, the analysis, the trends, the spreadsheets, the machine learning, the AI, the backtesting. This is my world. So I don't need to try and pretend to sound more intelligent by making all these trends fancy and talk about law of averages, the return to mean, the, the spending, um, the weighting of indicators, the accuracy ratings of the machine learning, the backtesting. I don't need to go through all this. I want this to be as simple and applicable as possible for you. And so as a result, that's the sentences I wanted to go through. So now let's actually go through the visuals and we'll take three case studies to go through. The first one, we're going to go through the market of Adelaide. As you know, I was the first and the main forecaster across the mainstream media in Australia to say multiple things. Number one is that Adelaide would be the best performing capital city for years to come. Started these sort of talks in 2020 and 21 and had been investing there for clients going back to 2018-19. Number two was I jumped on the Weekend Today show and I said, hey guys, Adelaide will rise and it will rise double digits percentage-wise in 2022. People call me mad, people call me crazy. Guess what? It was the only capital city in the nation to rise double digits in 2022 percentage-wise. But what you can see here is that we knew things were going to happen in Adelaide. We bought there for our clients. We still see the strength ahead. We predicted it would be the best for years to come. And I even said amongst rising interest rates, that it would still be the best performing city. And that too, grow double digits. Then you go to 2020. How is it that on the Property Talk Australia Facebook group, I say, hey guys, some interesting trends are emerging in Perth. And how is it to a close group of friends and investors? I say, guys, Perth is going to grow really well, but look, risk appetite, if you want to go there with the economy and the history, that's up to you. And if it was to be more suitable for someone, we could do custom reports, share that for you, and basically say, hey, it can work if you have a multi-property portfolio. But guess what? I said it was going to grow. And to this day, I've said it's going to grow. And then what about my own decisions? When I went to Tasmania and I bought in the city of Burnie in 2017, heading into 18, what trends did I see then? How about the markets of Bendigo and Ballarat? You go over to shows like the Smart Property Investment Show and you see me in years of 2018 and 19 shouting out saying Regional Vic was going to really pop off. And it was. Well, we're going to jump into Adelaide right now and take you through the content for Adelaide and actually show you what were some of the indicators. I'm not going to have time to go through them all, but I'm going to show you some really key and critical ones. So let's jump on the screen now and see them coming through. And I'll do my best for those listening to hear this and see as I go through it. But if you are listening to this and you're like, look, you know what? I want to check out these charts. What do I do? How can I see them? I really want to review this, Arjun, so I can be going through it with you. Well, jump on our YouTube page. That's the page Investikit, where you can see more like this. And of course, like and subscribe so you can get more content like this moving forward.
So we're going to jump into Adelaide now as the first market, and we're then going to go through some of these core trends. So the first trend you're seeing here is we've circled a core box, and this box is the price versus population growth. So it's not about drawing just isolated indicators to the outcome, but it's more so just to show you the mix of each of these things. And what you can clearly see is that there was a recovery in population growth rates, albeit at small recoveries, the trend started uplifting from 2017 onwards. In 2018 and 19, the trend was in full swing of population growth, and it was increasing in Adelaide. Price was also starting to trend up, although not ferociously, but you can see this box right around this trend analysis to show that 2018 and 19, we saw population really start to improve. Now, the second thing here is that going into price versus internal migration, guess what happened in 2017? Well, 2017 internal migration found its flaw. Internal migration fell down. It found its flaw in 2018-19. We saw the recovery taking place. Important to note here, everything that I'm going through right now is pre-COVID. Make sure you get that right because everyone seems to take any growth outside of Sydney and Melbourne post-COVID and say, that's a COVID boom. Hell no. We saw these trends pre-COVID. So we were saying that this was going to happen. And that's why during COVID, once we got back to some level of normalcy, I said, this is going to be the best city again because the trends did not die. They just exploded. But they were always heading in that direction, as you can see, and we'll continue on. So price versus internal migration growth. Internal migration was recovering and it came back around. Although it was still negative, it was recovering. Remember, trend analysis, static. It's not just about where it is. Vacancy rates could still be crappy at two, but if they came down from six, something's happening. Let's now look at GRP growth. So this is more of some economic output that was improving again, and it was trending back up from 14.15. I think it was after those core factory shutdowns and a few other job losses that happened across the city. We saw some post recovery after that started to come into play. Now that did fall off again, but that was normal because these trends move at a slower pace in terms of the availability of this data. And that was COVID. As you can see, it goes down to 2020 and that really shuts off. But overall, it was heading in the right direction from GRP growth. Now, when we look at the next part on this chart, it's price and unemployment rate. So unemployment rate was actually trending down all the way since 2015. It started trending back down as GRP started improving. And then it was only when the COVID hit that that unemployment rate bounced back up in 2019 over to 2020 when COVID hit. But unemployment was trending down the whole time from 2015 all the way through to 18. So something interesting happening there. Now we've picked up a few macro pieces. So we saw that even pre-COVID population growth was recovering in Adelaide, although still at slow levels. Internal migration was finding its floor from the absolute bottom and recovering again. The local economy from unemployment rates was falling down from 2014 year after year. And GRP was recovering as well from the gross regional products and the actual money in Adelaide that was floating around. We now go to the next trends, which is more micro. The next thing we saw was days on market was falling regularly all the way from 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, and 18, 19 as well. It was falling before 2020. We saw naturally that curve pick back up again during the pandemic. But this is now four or five years straight of days on market falling. We'll then move over to housing inventory and the relationship between sales volumes, the transactions happening and the level of listings available. And what we can see here is that sales volumes were falling a little bit, but then they started to find their floor. 
and we could start to see that recover a little bit, but it was still falling. However, it was starting to find its floor in 2019. And then from there, we also see listings continue to trend down, but it didn't trend down rapidly until about sort of 2015. And then it started coming down and down and down. And that's when some big changes started occurring. Listings went back up in 2020 during the pandemic and then rocketed down in 21. And then over the next two years being 22, 23, you know where listings went, they went even lower. And that's why the biggest growth has been happening now and sales volumes rose up. But the core thing is I'm talking about 18, 19, the listings trend continued its way down slowly from 2016 listing trends. We then go to vendor discounting and vendor discounting in 2012 and 13, that really started to come off and it continued its decline all the way through and then started fat, flatlining in 2018, 19. But the whole way through it started declining. And then this is the big change. Have a look at these rental vacancy rates. It wasn't COVID suddenly when all the vacancy rates started getting low. Vacancy rates were always pretty low in Adelaide, but they went super low, right? The low parts were still there in 2014, but then the vacancy rates jumped back up again over 15 and 16 and then started falling again in 17, 18, and even touching practically in the zeros in 19. So that trend was well and truly happening. And what happens when that trend happens? Well, rent prices started to lift up their peak of peak rates of growth. We first started to see some flatlining of rents towards 2012 to 16. As soon as that vacancy rate picture started turning around, we saw 17, 18, 19 start the trends upwards. So what's clear here in this Adelaide space is that people were coming in more, albeit slow numbers. The local economy was improving. Jobs were improving. Unemployment was improving. Price to sell was improving, uh, time to sell, sorry, was improving, uh, level listings was trending down, discounting was trending down, vacancy rates were trending down, rents were going up. Now, these aren't all the indicators, but it's here to show you that the trend analysis was showing in 2018. Now, before we jump to the next city, I want to turn this into a paragraph. As I looked into the market of Adelaide, more people were coming in, both internally and externally. There was more activity happening in the economy with more jobs around giving more people confidence. People were buying homes quicker. People had less options to choose from, although declining at a slower rate. People didn't have to give as much discounts when selling their homes. And there were hardly any rental properties available, and that was a problem getting pretty bad very quickly. People were then willing to pay more for rentals, and then realizing that price growth hadn't happened a lot, and things were still affordable, and confidence was then improving, price growth was due to happen. So you can see this picture happens time and time again. And this is not a COVID thing. This is pre-COVID, during COVID, post-COVID. This ain't going to change. These dynamics stay the same all the time. And just to prove that to you, we're going to go into post-COVID or post-main parts of the pandemic and getting close to it as well, just before it, just after it. And we're going to go to the next market, which is Perth. So Perth's been the hot topic for many. But I wanted to show you that we always could see these trends prior, and let's talk about Perth's trends. The first is population growth. So when you go to the population growth of Perth, as you know, the mining boom is well and truly over, and population growth was falling very quickly. It declined all the way through every single year in terms of its growth rate, all the way to 2016, before 2016 up to 2019, you can see some sharp rates of recovery. Naturally, in 2020, COVID hit, comes off it again. But from 2016, that was when the trend started emerging of the shift in the other direction. Then you see internal migration. It can absolutely just 
curve changes like no tomorrow. And this is sometimes the good thing with those cities that have volatility, they're easier to spot the switch. Whereas Adelaide, as you saw, there was some stability in the curve, so it was harder to spot the switch. But in Perth, it's very easy to spot the switch because of the whole shift from a mining collapse to that recovery. Now you can see all of a sudden from 2013 migration internally, everyone started leaving all the way to 2018 and then bang, 2018, 19, it goes the other way. So it wasn't a whole COVID thing, it was due to happen. Things were going the other way. And by going the other way, I don't mean to say that a mining boom was occurring again. It's more going the other way simply because the last one had found its floor, had found the feet. Then we see GRP growth. GRP growth naturally when you've got mining as such a core part of it was super strong in 2012 and then it falls off again. And it's, and it's at about 2018 where things start to rally back to positive territory. Then naturally the pandemic hits and that weakens again and bang, iron ore, prices, everything goes off. And so you can start to see it peak up again. Now, iron ore then came back and all the materials are starting to be priced at a low amount again. However, it's still operating at very high levels. It's just come off the core peak strengths, that's all. Unemployment rate, as you can see, it kept trending up. And then in 2016, it started to find its floor and it flatlined a little bit before starting to decline and then the pandemic hit. Had the pandemic not hit, that 2019 trend of starting to decline was going to emerge anyway. So you can start to see all of this coming together. Now, if we go to the micro trends, what you can start to see here is that days on market fell off, but days on market didn't really find its feet until the pandemic. But in 2019, it peaked. So after rising a lot in 2019, it started to peak and started to change the other direction till about 2020. So it's clear that once the pandemic hit, the days on market started falling, but you can see many of these other indicators start to peak at about 2019. Now these are using annual charts. Now, if I had the charts to be able to go, which we do on our back end, to go deeper and deeper on the month by month and even the day uh, intervals, when you have 30 days, 60 day, 90 days, you start to look at it from a perspective where you can start to see these changes occur throughout 2019, not 2020 or 21. Then you start to see the relationship of price, sales, volumes, and listings. So firstly, what we saw was if you moved the COVID boom away and you looked at the listings, listings from 2016 had found their feet at about 2015. 2015, they started trending down. So once you had that explosion up of listings after the big mining boom and people capitalized on it, the confidence of listing homes went down every single year and listings started to fall down from 2015, 16, 17, 18. It kept going lower. Then COVID hit, picked up a little bit, and then it started going lower again. And same here with sales volumes. You can see sales volumes are declining, naturally less people doing deals. But then what happened in 2016-18? It found its floor again. And people stopped having that huge fall off of transactions and it found eventually its low point of value. And so once that hit in 2019-20, it only had one direction anyway from there up. It already been finding a floor for volumes. And with listings declining and volumes flatlining, it's actually better demand because it's net demand positive if listings are falling and volumes are still flatlining. And that's what was happening in 16, 17, 18. So it's clear that those signs were emerging that something was going to change. We now move to vendor discounting. Again, it had found its peak in 2019, but the true changes occurred post-pandemic. And then with vacancy rates, you can see the floor, uh, the ceiling, sorry, of high vacancy rates, which are quite high, by the way, were hit in 2017. And from 17 to 19, again, pre-pandemic, the signs were there that vacancy rates were completely turning the other way, moving from a crazy high of like 5% all the way down to about 2.75, which is still high, but again, trend and static, the trend was 
recovering rapidly. So it was only about time till that showed and now vacancy rates are super low. Rents as well were actually declining. Quite rare, right? When you see a city with declining rents, but that flawed in about 2017 and started trending sideways before recovering in 2019, 2020. So it's clear that with the trends, even in a completely different city, the recovery was imminent, not in pandemic, but from 2017, 18 onwards, the recovery was already shaping up to be. And from there, it's just these trends of the way, uh, the way that materials, iron ore, and other factors have gone in alongside investors figuring out what's happening on the West Coast, alongside that lack of supply coming into play because of all these trends moving together, job confidence returning back, the explosions happen to a new level. But as you can see here from all these trends highlighted, had the pandemic not occurred, they were all moving in the direction of a positive price growth ahead moment for Perth. So this is clear that these trends again have shown you that the data does not lie when you've got that many layers of indicators coming together. And we'll do this once more just to make sure we can get full confidence on your actual interpretation. That's the skill I want you to get out of this. Not cool charts. Oh, Arjun, thanks for being switched on, showing us what you did. How will that, that doesn't matter to me. I want you to get out of this interpretation at mastery level. And for me to do that, I want to do that by giving you the most simplistic review of data, which is paragraphs, not charts, not fancy sounding stuff, not cool sounding stuff, not metrics, not things that put me in a pedestal, but things that make you feel that is simple and easy to understand. And let's go through that paragraph. There are more people coming into Perth from 2016 onwards after seeing less people come in for many years. People were leaving Perth far more often than coming in and people were leaving Perth to other locations and states. So in fact, there was more people leaving than coming in. But in about 2018, more people started coming back in. The economy started improving and they were eventually flattening in unemployment with more jobs from 2016 to 19. There was a turnaround in the time it took to sell a home. At about 2018, things started to peak in how long it took to sell a home. And so then things started to turn around in 2019 and get a little bit faster, although it still took some time to sell. Then there were less people uh, selling their homes from sort of 2016 onwards, which therefore started to show that people were not as keen to get out anymore. And the amount of people buying after declining for so many years started to flatten out around 2016 to 18, showing that people were buying at consistent levels. Vendors didn't have to give away as much discount when selling their homes from about 2019 onwards, and they flatlined from there. And after being so easy to find a rental from about 2017 onwards, it started to become harder again, although not really hard until about 2019. There were less rental available every single year. And from that reason, rent started to rise. Again, how can price growth not occur when you've got all these trends coming together? And this is the key thing to look at. Stop falling in love with the metric of the day. Stop falling in love with an economist's opinion, someone who's super qualified, someone who's got all these metrics that don't even have to do with housing trend analysis. He's just picking one metric and throwing it at you. Stop falling in love with what the news or the media says or what your barbecue uncle says. Fall in love with the trends and the interpretation of them to make them a reality, a sentence, a paragraph, so you can truly understand what's happening in housing markets. Now let's take you to one more example before I give you that final key, which was all about how you find markets earlier with some of the nuggets that I've shared with you today. 
And this next example is another pre-COVID example just to show you that the germ, the COVID, the printing of money, the, the all this rubber band effect, the global inflation, the global cheap money, all this stuff that everyone says is the reason for property booms couldn't be further from the truth. We were always going to experience a boom. Just more factors came together on the demand side than anticipated when you have that rubber band effect. And by using this next part, which is Hobart, which I, as you know, capitalized in 2017 in Tasmania to find another city that showed these same trends, which was Bernie, Tasmania. I'm now going to show you Hobart and that too going back to 2015-16. So you can see that irrespective of the times, germ, no germ, stimulus, no stimulus, expensive money, cheap money. If these trends come together, something is happening. So we're going to go through that and you're going to see it. Firstly, Hobart's population growth. Look at that explosion. 2015 and 16, what happens there? Huge population growth. Let's have a look at then 2015 and 16. Internal migration is surging off the back of 2013's fall off. Now it's really starting to come up. Then the next thing is we start to have GRP trends improve around 15, 16. Makes sense, right? More people, more interstate, more overseas, more visitors. Something starts to happening. Now, there are talks and thoughts that it may have to do with President Xi Jinping's visit from China to uh, Hobart and how they praised Tasmania and how they talked about the produce, the life, the, the travel, enjoying it, uh, saying that it was a great place to go to. But that is just one of the many factors. It's economic success is clearly showing across multiple metrics here. Unemployment rate. Look at that trend down from 2012 and 13. Although at high levels reduced every year and 15, 16, it really started finding a floor at a pretty decent level when considering the rest of the economies at that time were also around there. And this is after Hobart had a very weak economic period between 2011, 12, 13, 14. All of a sudden it starts improving really quickly. Now we go to the trends. You can clearly see that time to sell in 2013 started shifting the other way around. It started getting much quicker and continued year after year. And guess what? The boxes you see on those trends are 15, 16, 17. Was there any pandemic? Was there any stimulus? Was there 1% interest rates? Was there interest rates with 0.1%? All the stuff that the RBA was charging then? No, that wasn't the case. Was there a national property boom going on? It was just in Sydney and Melbourne. Hobart hadn't even started yet. And then look at the boom. When you see the trends coming in, the tr strongest years were 17, 18, 19. And that's when the boom was so called over. That's when negative gearing was about to be scrapped. That's when everything was bad happening with Labour's policies coming in and all these thoughts of everything that they were going to put in. Uh, APRA coming in, changing stuff, lending laws, everything that you could imagine that wasn't meant to be good was supposed to be happening then. The next one. You can see listings find a new point at 2014 and then fall off a cliff. Sales volumes start recovering rapidly in 2014 and really start rising 14, 15, 16 before stabilizing. But listings had come down so much that that had already strengthened on net terms. Vendor discounting, that too falling off year after year in 12, 13, 14, 15. Vacancy rates started at a pretty high amount at close to 3%, but then 13, 14, 15, 16. Look at that fall off the curve, getting close to 0% rates at 2015. Since when was vacancy rates that low a normal thing then? But it is now. But you can see that pre-COVID, this was happening. Rent prices as a result of the vacancy rates falling off have started really jumping up from 2014, 15, and 16. These aren't all the indicators, but these are some of the core ones.
buying, selling, speed of sale, discounting, properties available for rent, rent prices, sale prices, job advertisements, economic production, people movement, all of these come together as a consistent picture of holistic demand and supply. This is the key to property trend analyzing and what I've learned over analyzing 15,000 plus suburbs going all the way back for many, many decades, short-term trends, long-term trends. I wanted to spill the beans on this particular conversation for you today so you could learn it all, see it all in motion and you could tell the haters, COVID, boom, put that aside. I just showed you a market pre-COVID. It doesn't matter when. There will be another germ. There will be another issue. There will be another war. There will be another something and I hope that doesn't happen. But these things happen. However, the trends that are not a specific individual data point related, trends that form a paragraph and a sentence that can be shown with just human behavior impacting these trends. This is the key. So that was key one. I promised you at the end, I would leave you with key two, which was how do you find these trends earlier? Now, you can go back and rewind on each of these cities and you'll see that that ideal box of buying window the trends were happening earlier. But not all of them were happening at the same perfection of clear analysis, at the same strength for every single indicator at the same times. They don't all happen at the same time, but they all tend to eventually impact each other. And then you start to see a clearer picture. So here's what you can do. What you can do is a cool exercise. If you're listening to this, why not jump on the YouTube page and just go at Investikit, hit like, subscribe, so you can try this exercise as well. And uh, look at this from grabbing a piece of paper and put it in front of the charts that I put on the screen. Make the screen full screen and just be able to go and put the piece of paper ahead so you don't see the years ahead of when that growth really started popping up. You just see the years prior where it's shown you these trends emerging. And what you can do is say if I've given you how many boxes? I think I've given about nine charts on each location. So nine charts here. If you've got nine charts here and you put them on each location, how many of those tick boxes a year or two earlier? How many of those tick boxes a year earlier? How many of those tick boxes on the year? And you'll notice that number increase as the years go on. So let's just say of the nine boxes, you're looking at Hobart here, and I might do this activity with you. Number one, you can see if we assume 2016 is the ideal year for investing in Hobart, you can see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Oh, there you go. So 2016, all nine trends show to a moment where if you covered the piece of paper on the other side, you would see a directional shift. If you go to 2015, one, which is vacancy rate. And I'm sorry if I'm just shouting the numbers to you, but if you want to see this, vacancy rate shows. Rent price change does not show yet. D vendor discounting does show, so that's two. Listings change in 2015 does show and sales volumes show, so that's three. Days on market in 2015 falling does show, that's four. So that's four out of five so far. And then unemployment rate in 2015 falling does show, that's five out of six. GRP in 2015 does not show. That's actually five out of seven. It was weakening in that year. Internal migration at 2015 does show the bounce back. That's six out of eight. So two did not show, I believe. And then 2015 population slight increase, but not the explosion of 2016. So we'd kind of put that as a maybe. So now you're two trends lower, but still way more on the positive. So something's clearly happening. 
and you move that one year further up, you get another drop off. So the point here is you can use all the trends to find the location. If you want the highest confidence, wait for them all to show and the growth will follow. This is something in our analysis where we've really tailored and we call this a hotspot market. If you now move the trends down, but the years earlier, you will start to reduce the number of indicators ticking all boxes, which therefore reduces confidence, but increases your ability to get in at lower prices, more affordable, experiencing more of the growth. Upside is that, downside is patience. Because it's not like only three of the indicators will show and then five never will show. Three will eventually make its way to four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and so forth. To give you an example of today, and I'm giving out some secrets here, when we started looking at the market of Townsville and the market of Rockhampton, these two markets here, when we classified them as early adopter markets, people who are adopting to these trends earlier on or adapting to these trends earlier on, there were, out of these nine, would have shown five or six or seven. But we made that conscious decision to go into these cities over the last couple of years because we saw these trends emerging and every year that goes on, another one of these trends is joining that list. It's joining there. And it won't be long till we're nine out of nine in some of these cities. So that's the example here that people are now starting to realize and going, oh, something's happening in Townsville, something's happening in Rockhampton, and people are really starting to buy in these markets and see them shift. So how can you use that is this. This episode, I hope it truly helps you on the interpretation and mastery of property data. You don't need all the craziness of trend analysis, understanding to this deep level, which makes you feel like you have to be a scientist. But of course, this is me after many, many years of practice, lots of money invested, a team invested of people that are smarter than me so I can learn with them and grow with them and learn from them. But I wanted to give you this in the, today's episode so you can apply it with actuals during COVID, pre-COVID, now with markets ahead, I gave you the beans on those. And then even the trends from prior, well prior COVID in Hobart, Tasmania, to show you what actually happens and how these things come together. So the two keys after learning from analyzing 15,000 suburbs in Australia, number one, growth will not occur unless all these trends occur and start to occur and go in the right direction and at static strong numbers. And number two is you can spot markets earlier, but be prepared to drop off a couple of trends of confidence and you've got to back yourself a bit more. And with that, just have patience. It will come through eventually. And this is how I've been able to outperform the market every year, been able to win Australia's Buyers Agency of the Year. And for 2023, looking back at 22 and 23, Australia's most featured buyers agent and researcher amongst buyers agents in the nation from the mainstream media. Our research publications from white papers, blog articles, market outperformance case studies are all free for you to check out. Jump onto investikit.com.au, click our research tab. You can learn so much more about analysis. We're some of the first to pick across many subjects from Adelaide's boom to regional Victoria to Brisbane's performance to many parts of regional New South Wales during the COVID pickoff and even recently Sydney's decline and recovery all timed before the mass media and public came out with others' opinions to say so. Hope this helps you, and this is where the interpretation comes from. And this is just an example of some of the data. We go deeper and deeper, and all of this here is for you to be able to learn the trends to get yourself ahead on your journey. If you love this, please click like, jump on the Investigate YouTube page, help a brother out, and hit subscribe. 
Thank you so much and catch you on the next one.